Welcome to the Baseline Feed, where we invite aspiring writers and voiceover talent to showcase their abilities and kickstart a career in the exciting audio drama industry. Welcome to the Baseline Feed Podcast, and I'm your host, Tanner Wood. Before we get to our episode, I'd like to do two things. We established this podcast to serve as a baseline for aspiring authors and voice talent, hence the name Baseline Feed. If you are interested in trying your hand at either, we would love to work with you. Please send an email to baselinefeedpod at gmail.com with a story and or a voice demo. Don't forget you can also check out our website at baselinefeed.com. There you can see all of our episodes and even chat with us directly. We have received such overwhelming support for this project and we cannot thank you, the listener, enough. If you enjoy what we're doing here, please feel free to leave us a review and a rating, along with hitting that follow button. I would also like to highlight our voice actors and writer. Every story comes from somewhere. And today we're bringing you a story submitted to us by Harley Easton. Not only did she write this story for us, she is featured as the voice for the main character, Lori. She is joined by C.M. Peters, J. Philip Morris, and Katie Tatry. If you're ever down on the bayou, late at night, and hear some singing, perhaps a seductive tune, you should turn the other way. We explore why in Season 1, Episode 4, entitled Lullaby. The screams echoed around me, making me remember what my mother had always warned me. Monsters are real. Kobolds, Erden, witches, and water sprites. They exist, and you could feel it in her stories. Always stories, never song, for mother refused to sing and father wasn't around to tell me why. As the horrid thing in the water thrashed and moaned, it still whispered promises and I wanted to believe. Yes, I knew that it would consume me given the chance. Still, the urge to save it was strong. I was stronger. Its face was obscured by the twilight and the darkness reminded me how this villain hid behind pretty words and a handsome face. True love, true beauty could be etched with discord and drabness. Misplaced love would stretch you taut as a drum. My mother learned that the hard way. I wouldn't repeat her mistakes. My mother was a formidable woman with firm opinions and an argumentative nature. All men seemed to want her. It was easy to see why. Her fair skin and hair could have made her angelic, but once you noticed the anger in her eyes, you could tell she was more wrathful specter than an ethereal being. It was her unrelenting love of music that melted her hardness. There was a painful beauty in her voice as she sang the tunes of her homeland. I too was ugly on the outside and I ached to have that beauty flow within me. Until I was older, I never understood why we moved so often. All I knew was that children in all towns needed me to know that the red stain across my eye made me unwanted, unwantable. In my youngest years, it was just taunting. As I grew older, they threw rocks or blamed me for things gone wrong. It grew worse from there. Mother soothed my tears with folktales, sometimes in English, but more often in her native German. She knew my favorites. They were her favorites, too. Tales of the Erkling's daughter, 
and my namesake, the Lorelei. These women were fierce beauties with entrancing music and the will to murder those who wronged them. I was an ugly little girl who was often silent, hiding from those who made my daily life hellish. So despite the lurid subject, mother's crooning comforted me. Once, after dreaming of singing with ghostly women in the icy waters of German cliffsides, I'd asked my mother if anyone escaped the sirens. Sweet girl, the song only pearls the deserving. She looked into my eyes with an all-too-knowing gaze. I didn't know then that she was speaking about my father. My Liebling, you have the gift, Mother said to me the day we left for New Orleans. As usual, the move wasn't planned but necessary. For the first time, I understood why. In other towns, we had fled from men who couldn't leave my mother alone. Before, bosses and boyfriends alike would prowl around our house, but in Grafton, I was the one who had unwanted attention. The Patton brothers were hometown heroes of the tiny mountain town, like anyone with athletic ability. They were also constant tormentors of mine. I was secretly happy something might have happened to them, but neighbors were alarmed they'd suddenly gone missing. These were fine upstanding boys, they said. What if some predator had come to Grafton? Search parties were organized. Everyone was on the lookout. In the end, I think they would have preferred finding bodies to what they actually discovered. The search parties nearly tripped over two teenagers lying in a shallow ice melt stream using rocks as pillows. While they were still alive, the boys were catatonic with eyes glazed and glassy. Shivering from the cold, they calmly took in gulps of water with every breath before sputtering it back out. The unsubmerged sides of their faces were as crimson as my birthmark from the unyielding August sun. How did they survive combating hypothermia, drowning in second-degree burns? Well, part of the town thought it was divine intervention. The other part called it the devil's work. Only Mother knew I'd been singing the song of the Lorelei the night before, after the missing pair had caught me on my way home and tried to assault me in the forest. The town won't even notice us leaving, Mother promised as I worried what would happen to me. She knew better. Humans have no faith in the real magic anymore. No regular girl could have forced those two into the water. So once more, we changed names and locations. Mother moved us far from the secluded northwestern mountains to the warm bustle of New Orleans. I loved the hum of life in the city, and Mother's magic stood toe-to-toe with the fortune tellers in Grigri shops. We didn't even need tourist traffic to pay the exorbitant rent for her tiny storefront in the quarter. Mother established a reputation and a client base that would follow her anywhere. It was there in the city that she began teaching me to sing. Even for someone born with the gift, it was not easy to control siren songs. Months could be spent on a song or spell before I was allowed to test it. It is not only melody and tempo, Lori. Every note, pause, and rhythm need intent. Too little, and you do nothing. Too much, We'd seen the crippling results of my poorly executed song in Grafton. Any interruption or misplaced note had the potential to cause chaos. The slightest variation in a tune could break a bone when you sought to ease arthritis. Humming could help you hide in a crowd, but singing the same melody aloud would make people avoid you for a week. 
The delicacy of the music and its sheer unpredictability was why I didn't ask Mother to teach me the luring songs sirens were famous for. One day, you will need them. She promised me, and I believed her. Since then, I have often wished her foresight was a little less accurate. Randy swept into my life on the lazy Sunday afternoon. I'd split my focus between ordering some supplies and casually watching a girl who was hovering a little too long by the tarot cards. Alone at the till, I hummed the tune Mother had taught me to prevent shoplifting. You a musician? He was a shaggy-haired, goatee stranger in the lilting, obviously not local, from his accent. It happened occasionally that someone heard the song rather than just feeling the effects of magic. Mother said it hinted at something other in their veins that, like us, whoever could hear wasn't fully human. You couldn't toss a beaded necklace in New Orleans without running into a half-breed. It wasn't something I worried about because most of them didn't know there were anything unnatural. I'd hummed the shop protection song long enough to keep the girl honest, so I turned my attention to the stranger. I was instantly struck by eyes so dark and gray they could have been black. His movements were graceful and so subtle, he appeared to glide. It was hard to look at him for too long. With effort, I schooled my voice to sound casual. Only occasionally. Are you looking for something? A date. Even with my birthmark, I hadn't been completely without male attention in my life. After my Grafton encounter, I was wary of men. I didn't want another encounter to force us from our home, but I'd gotten pretty good at reading people. Most men approached me shyly or ironically. Randy didn't either. Through his chestnut bangs, I saw the obvious hunger in his dark eyes. It was slightly unnerving, but also refreshing. The pull I felt toward him was unexpected, making me jump to my usual form of deflection. Cute. I made sure the sarcasm was not at all concealed as I swept my gaze around the store again. The girl had been magicked out of her purpose by my song and was exiting the shop with a dazed expression. I was thinking... beautiful. <sighs> Whatever. I dropped my head, dismissed him, returning to the vendor order. The warmth spreading through my body was a new sensation. My chemical reaction to a complete stranger had me yearning for more, but also denying that this was truly happening. Even half-breeds didn't tend to flirt with me. That's when I felt a hand brush the hair away from my face. It was far too intimate a gesture for a stranger, one that usually would have me grab his wrist and say something biting. But when I looked up, he was studying me. Don't people tell you how lovely you are? His gaze fell on my clearly uncovered birthmark. Uniquely stunning. So different from everyone else. I photograph models for a living, so I know what I'm talking about. That left me speechless. I'd like to get to know you better. Some friends of mine are having a party by the lake. Meet me tonight at nine? I don't even know who you are. Randy. He scribbled a number and location on my shopping list, then turned to walk out the door. Just before he was on the street, he looked back, bracing himself on the doorframe. I'll miss you if you don't show. As that afternoon slipped into a warm southern evening, I found it harder and harder to concentrate. My fingers brushed the hair off my face as I remember him calling me lovely. Of course I didn't believe him, but the paper where he'd scrawled his info taunted me. 
The location was only about 20 minutes from the quarter, and when I closed the shop, my junky old car maneuvered its way off Highway 10 toward the South Shore Harbor instead of straight home. It's just for a look around. I promised myself as I pulled into the parking lot. I didn't even get out of the car. Just imagine what it might be like to go on a date. A real date with someone who thought I was pretty. A real date with Randy. After half an hour of daydreaming, I turned the car toward home. Mother was already asleep when I got back, so I ate a solo dinner. Giddy in a way I'd never been for a date, I showered, put on a sundress, and brushed out my hair. I considered leaving it loose, half obscuring my face as it usually did, but I remember how it felt to be called uniquely stunning, so I swept up the right side, pinning it with a couple of bobby pins. From the mirror, a different woman stared back at me, one who looked confident and at ease in her body. I hummed a short tune to make the perception a reality. Feeling beautiful for the first time I could remember, I rushed back to the lake. sure you'd show. Honestly, I wasn't sure I would either. Is this your boat? I'd found him on the dock in front of a luxury pontoon boat with every possible upgrade. A couple of glasses and some bottles were nested in the cooler that sat on the deck. I hesitated. I'd assume we'd be meeting in public, not floating around the lake by ourselves. I'd just met this man. In the back of my head, my mother's voice whispered that he could be a serial killer. Now, perk of the job. We did a photo shoot here all week and my client offered it to me for the weekend. It's great for impressing beautiful women. He grinned as he reached for my hand. When his fingers closed around mine, I felt a tingle shoot down my arm and a warm breeze swirl around me. At that moment, six or eight couples walked down the dock. They were all stunning, probably the models from the shoot he'd mentioned. I instantly felt a little less sure of myself, but Randy squeezed my hand. Euphoria washed over me. Three of the couples stopped at a boat a few slips before us as the other couples continued walking. One of the girls offered me a smile and a wave. Are we just sitting on the deck all night? Are you actually going to launch that thing? Aye, Max is already on the water. From a few boats away, I heard a cheer when Randy started the engine. We take the pontoons out, tie off, and float together. He explained, seeing my confused expression. Fine. Dancing, hopping from boat to boat. They invited me earlier this week. But I didn't have a reason to accept. The look he gave me made my stomach flip. I wasn't used to attention like this. Randy must have seen my uncertainty because his voice dropped to barely a whisper. You can jump ship at any time. I promise. Though, I really hope you won't. My resolve melted, and I stepped onto the boat. The wind off Lake Pontchartrain felt amazing as we trolled out onto the water. 
Not too far from the docks, the boat all circled and cut the motors. Ropes were tossed, boats were connected. The smooth, quiet melodies from the radio wrapped around the party as the runner lights twinkled off the lake. It was perfect for a night under the stars. People chatted back and forth between vessels, a few walking from one to the other with bare feet to get a little closer. Randy offered me a glass of wine, which I happily took. I learned that he was based in Chicago, his accent a holdover from his first-generation Irish-American family. He asked about my family's shop and told me about his travels around the world. After a bit, we fell into a comfortable silence. It felt right being on the lake with music and him. I closed my eyes, rocking gently to the rhythm of the waves and music. When I looked up, Randy was watching me intensely. I stopped, wrapping an arm around myself and self-consciously taking a sip of wine. Why do you do that? Do what? Stare. He chuckled and ducked his head. It's rare to find a woman at pace with herself. You glow. He raised his head to look at me straight in the eye. How could I do anything but stare? I couldn't breathe. I couldn't think. All I could do was lean forward for a kiss. The taste of wine lingered on his lips and he smelled of sunshine and moss. I felt his arms circle around my back, pulling me into a tight embrace. Inside my chest, my heart raced. The world was moving too fast, spinning dangerously askew. I desperately wanted this man. It took a few seconds for either of us to realize the talking had stopped. Get a room! The shout caused the entire party to hoot, giggle, and shoot various encouragements. I flushed crimson right down to my toes, but Randy pulled me in tight and shouted over my shoulder. I'm lucky she didn't drop shit with you lot around. Let's shove off before she thinks the worst of me. The group agreed it was time to go home. Ropes were pulled and the boats became untethered. One by one, we motored back into the slips. I'd like to see you again. Maybe I... Stop by the shop this week. I nodded, part of me hoping he would visit the store as promised and another part wanting him to join me in the car right then. Never in my life had I been so completely charmed by a man. As I opened the door, Randy faltered for a second, stepping wide of the rusty old beater I drove. Thank you for our wonderful night. I expected him to lean in and kiss me as he had on the boat, but I was disappointed. Instead, he grabbed my free hand, brushed it with his lips, and began to walk away until my fingers slipped from his. I'll see you soon, Laurie. Four days later, he hadn't returned, and I was in hell. The waiting had me beyond agitated, my hands shaking as I worked and my words catching in my chest, making it hard to breathe. I stared at his number on the top of the vendor order most of Monday, refusing to call it. Mother and I had taken in new inventory and barely talked as we reset displays and welcomed clients. Tuesday, I would have broken down and called, but Mother had gotten a cleaning bug after dealing with all the boxes and had tossed the list with his number. I was strung out enough that I went through the trash trying to find it, but I stopped short of dumpster diving. 
Wednesday, my day off, I drove to the lake and stared out at the water as if willing him to motor by on the pontoon boat. Mother had eyed me funny at breakfast when I barely picked up my bagel, but she hadn't said anything. I wouldn't have known what to tell her. By Thursday, my eyes were glazed from lack of sleep and I wasn't eating regularly. The shaking had transferred from just my hands to my entire body. Around two o'clock, Mother emerged from the back room and narrowed her eyes. Inklin, you are not well. She had a knack for cutting straight through to the point. I'm not. I feel like I'm going crazy. I put my elbows on the counter and dropped my head into my hands. It's ridiculous. She pulled over a chair and sat down. I will decide what is ridiculous or not. Tell me. There's this guy. I began and found myself relaying the entire story. It was only after I'd finished that I noticed the intense concentration on her face. He would not come near the car. Of all the things I told her, it seemed an odd detail to pick out. Confused, I nodded. I'd never seen my mother move so fast. She shot out of her chair and snatched up a piece of my hair. She inhaled deeply. Moss! Did you sleep with him? What? Her question temporarily knocked me from my malaise. Mother had never questioned my relationships. And now she was yelling about my sex life in the middle of the store? She slammed the door shut and flipped the sign to closed, even though it was the middle of the afternoon. She stalked back to look me in the eyes. Tell me the truth, Lorelai. Did you fuck that man? No, I mean, I want to, but I didn't. Part of me wondered how the second part of that statement had slipped through my lips. I mean... Her relief showed as she sagged back down to the chair. There is hope. I should have noticed the moss sooner, Anklin. I am sorry. He is powerful. A chill shot straight down my spine. My emotional state was wrong, atypical, and unhealthy. What is Randy? Glenn Connor. She spat the word out like a curse and followed it up with another glob of saliva on the floor. I clutched the counter as my stomach turned and my head reeled. A love talker. The dark fae who seduced women and fed off their melancholy. If he really was a Glen Connor, I was lucky to be alive. My gas guzzler, a car so old it was still infused with iron, had probably saved my life. If a single kiss had me reeling, How quickly would I have pined away after sleeping with a notoriously fickle lover? I shook my head. But why? Like a Glanconer needs a reason to hunt. Vile, slippery-tongued forest demons. Seduction is a game to them. If they find a strong beauty, one who does not instantly comply, but that they can make suffer, their powers multiply. Mother came around the counter and took my chin in her hand. Of course he chose you, their shots, but he sensed your glow. Her hand fell on the counter as her voice dropped dangerously low. He feasts on your thoughts. That one will return for his prize. Happy to watch you wither. Something snapped inside of me and I felt the Glenconer's spell fade to nothing. I no longer wanted Randy. I detested him. I could not be the only one he had done this to, but I would be the last. Teach me the lullaby.
Randy waltzed in a week later while I was closing up, his smug arrogance noticeable now that I saw through his glamour. Still, I flashed a smile in his direction as I picked through the daily paperwork. I was almost glad to see him. But patience had paid off. I girlishly flit my hair over my shoulder and tug my dress down to show extra cleavage. It's too early in the evening. He made his way to the counter. Four. A star to fall. <laughs> you look heavenly, Laurie. He grabbed my hand from across the counter, but I pulled it back, pouting. You didn't come by last week. Anyone else would have called his expression contrite, but I saw the calculation in his eyes. He extended his hand again. When I took it, he walked me around the counter and pulled me into a tight embrace. Magic oozed from him, wrapping around me, but Mother's wards made the enchantment sluice down my skin. The clammy feeling made me shudder, but if he noticed, Randy didn't let on. I wanted to, I promise. Deadlines had me stuck on the computer for most of the week. He ran a finger down the side of my face, tracing the line of my birthmark. Let me... make it up to you. I made a show of rushing through closing before he escorted me out of the store and through the quarter over to the parking lot. On the farthest end of the lot, separated from other vehicle, sat a sporty little car. Custom. He beamed, running a hand along the side of the car. All aluminum. Skips over the road like it's riding away. As if realizing his affection for the car might be too much, he opened the door to help me in. Of course. Looks better with a beautiful woman inside. I didn't miss the leer when my skirt slid high up my leg, but like everything else, I ignored it. Square root or restaurant August. He tried to impress with the most exclusive restaurants in town. If he knew what I knew, that only suffering made him salivate, he might have been a little more cautious. I was thinking something a little cozier. I laid my hand on his thigh then, just for good measure, and bit my bottom lip. Dinner at my place? You could drive me back to my car in the morning. The triumph on his face was revolting. It took an effort to give him directions without retching in the car. As the vehicle peeled out of the parking lot, I hummed a carefully crafted melody, one that soothed anxious thoughts but muddled sense of direction. We were going much closer to the marshlands than anyone with Fay blood would like. I had him take the Chef Malta highway out to the Rigolet. A single bead of sweat on his forehead was the only indication that Randy might lose his cool, but he didn't have a choice. My quiet humming flowed with the purring of his car's engine, directing his movements. About halfway to where the 47 crossed the canal, I ran my hand up his leg. We should stop at the island marina. I enjoyed boating with you so much that I started looking for one of my own. I found this for a song. It wasn't a lie. The owner had given the boat to Mother for a very convincing tune she promised to teach me when this business was done. Of course I'd want to return his boat when this was all over. It's late. He's probably not there. Oh, please. My other hand pressed against his chest and I mentally gagged at the contact. Let's take it for a test drive. I laced enough innuendo in my voice that Randy couldn't have missed it. 
just to make sure I added a strong hint of lust to the tune just as Mother had taught me. It took almost nothing to get him onto the boat. I switched to outright singing the lullaby, letting the undulating tune keep him docile as I wove the vehicle deeper into the dark swamp. I traveled these water enough that I wasn't worried about marsh clumps wrapping around the motor. With Randy blissfully silent, I let my thoughts roam to recent paper headlines. Scientists debate fate of wetlands, oversalination a major concern. I cut the motor, letting the boat drift toward the tiny speck of island I'd found a few days before. My voice echoed in the lonely marsh, the elaborate melody and intricate words keeping Randy in my thrall. His shoes squished sickeningly as he stepped off the boat and onto the island, barely bigger than my kitchen table. I couldn't help but grin as it sank a little under his weight. It was a precarious position, but he'd only be there temporarily. The unstable ground was firm enough for my purposes. As I backed the boat away, I modified my tune slightly, keeping a close eye on Randy in the fading light. I wanted to see the marsh water wick up his pant legs as he kneeled in the marsh. Only when the grimy water saturated the cloth did I completely stop singing. It took a few minutes for the screaming to start. Mother had warned me that the young minds melted to the song, retaining it long after the music ended. But as an adult and a magic wielder, Randy would require special flourishes in the music to extend my enchantment over him. I didn't bother using any. I wanted him to fully comprehend his situation. The shriek he issued as the salt stung his half-faced skin was deeply satisfying. What's wrong? I feigned surprise and confusion when his pain cries became curses. Oh, fairies don't like salt, do they? Any old tale will tell you that the salt negates magic, magic that is wired into the cell and sinew of every fae. Being half-human, Randy's body wouldn't dissolve completely in the water, but with how much he'd recently fed his half-fae at my expense, every drop of water would burn like acid. It was becoming too dark to see his face, but I could hear the labored breathing that wouldn't let him form one slick sentence. I'd made sure he'd be in agony by bringing him deep into the salt marsh. Unlucky for you that we know your kind, Glancona. You should have thought twice before trying to lure a siren. So, that's what you are. <laughs> It impressed me that he was able to say anything, not that he'd have that opportunity for long. As the music flowed through me, I kept a tight rein on my emotions. There was no room for error. The minor key snapped his fingers, popping them out of place one joint at a time. A staccato passage crushed his ankles. I kept my voice mezzo-piano so he wouldn't plug his ears or run before the pain immobilized him. His screeching stopped as the music brought him under my will, erasing his self-preservation. There were small splashes as he settled down into the bog, and a gurgling as Randy took a deep breath out of the briny water. It rushed into his lungs. I knew it wouldn't drown him, 
Instead, the salt would liquefy his organs from the inside and steal his fey essence. In the end, I was merciful. Despite my hatred of the Glanconer, I knew the lore was part of him, just as the music was part of me. As the alligator approached, I wove my melody into a quiet round, shutting off Randy's nerve sensors so his mind couldn't register the pain. I too was magical, but not monstrous. I stayed long after the ripple of the alligator's rolls stopped, listening to the melody of the frogs punctuated by an occasional bird cry or splash of a fish. Finally, humming a tune of my own, I started the boat and made my way back to the marina. That's a haunting melody, one we're sure will stay with you. Best to keep some earplugs on you so you weren't on the receiving end of a siren's lullaby. We close by giving credit where credit is due and highlighting our authors and voice talent. Lullaby was written and submitted by Harley Easton. Lullaby features narration by C.M. Peters, Harley Easton as Lori, J. Philip Morris as Randy, and Katie Tatry as the mother. Sound design was by Tanner Wood. Episode artwork and music arrangements by C.M. Peters. We would also like to take a moment to introduce our newest members of our production team. Julia Wood is managing our social media presence, and Evan Jaffe is one of our internal writers. We would also like to welcome Katie Tatry as one of our advisors. We also now have a Patreon site. We would like to express our eternal love and gratitude to our patrons, such as... Ronan Kumori. You guys make it possible to bring you more content and our authors and voice talents more exposure. If you would also appreciate our eternal love and gratitude along with our other goodies, check us out on Patreon. You can find the link to it on our website at baselinefeed.com. Once again, we'd like to offer the opportunity to submit a story to us. It must be fiction, preferably around 2,500 words. Almost any genre is welcome. More details are on our Twitter, and you can submit your stories to baselinefeedpod at gmail.com. Or reach out to us there about being part of our voice talent. We hope to see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Baseline Feed. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. For more information, check out our Twitter at BaselineFeedPod or reach us at BaselineFeedPod at gmail.com.